2020. And we're so excited that you are here hanging out with us today. And so today, if you didn't know, there is a big game going on. So we're going to start off with a poll because 100 million sets of eyes will be upon the TV screen this afternoon. So I'm going to ask for some participation. And if this is not you, you don't have to do anything. So if this describes you, yell, clap, do whatever you got to do. But I want to take a poll. First question, who, are che who is cheering for the Kansas City Chiefs today? few people. Wow. Okay. I saw some hand raised. You can make some noise too. It's all right. So Patrick Mahomes, crazy, incredible quarterback. You're a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Now, how many folks are on the other side? They're cheering for the San Francisco 49ers. Jimmy GQ, great defense. They make it happen. A few fans. That's it. I'm a Seattle fan. So it is what it is. We'll see what happens with the 49ers. Now, how many folks really don't care about the teams and only care about the halftime show? That's it. J-Lo, J-Lo, uh, today in Shakira, it's going to be great. I better hear Jenny from the block or I'm going to protest. I've said that a couple of times. I hope we don't get kicked off the air for that. Uh, how many folks don't care about the halftime show but care about the commercials? Right? We have some folks care about the commercials. All right, all right. Now, last two questions, last two questions. Uh, how many folks could care less about the game, the commercial, the halftime show? They only care about the puppy bowl that's played beforehand. A few Puppy Bowl fans, right? Some of the Puppy Bowl that happens beforehand with the animal rescue. Now, last but not least, I expect everyone to participate on this. So I'm already giving you the cue. I'm making the play call now, participating in this. How many folks want the food that they're going to eat today to be zero calorie at the big game party, right? Right? 100%. Did you know that today is the second biggest day of food consumption in America outside of Thanksgiving? How crazy is that? We know how to eat. We just had those New Year's resolutions. They just went out the door. And then after that, it's Valentine's. So today we can see, like I said, there are 100 million sets of eyes. There are two teams playing. Some people care. Some people don't. But the main thing that we're going to see today is somebody is going to be crowned champion. Somebody's going to Disney World one way or the other, and they're going to get their thing going on for the Disney World. Somebody is going to hoist up a trophy and say that they've wanted this their whole life. And somebody is going to say that their team's desire from training camp has been to be the champion, right? Like, and they're going to be playing the Queen song, and everybody's going to be singing, we are the champions. They're going to be going crazy. Confetti's going to be going everywhere. It actually might be raining in Miami today. Who knows? But somewhere along the way, we're going to hear about someone's desire to win. And so it made me think about that today because today 100 million sets of eyes are going to be on the TV desiring something. And all of us today desire something. Whether we care about the teams playing, whether we care about the food we're eating, whether we care about the commercials, the puppy bowl, the halftime show, we have a desire for something today, which means literally that we want an outcome to happen or we hope something happens today. And because of that today, that's what I want us to talk about because we know this. If you are in Christ, you know this, that there are two teams that are playing every day, whether it's Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. There are two teams that are going to be playing. And today I want us to see what our desire lines up with. Either, either is it on the, the team of Satan and Lucifer or does it line up with God's desire? Because the thing is, realistically, if we know what our desire lines up with, we'll know the next step that God wants us to take today. So if you've got your Bible today, we're going to be hanging out in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28 to begin with. If you don't have a Bible, we have them free for the asking at the garden. If you don't even want to open your Bible, that's okay. I would encourage you to do that. But our Vine production team does an incredible job. You're going to see all the verses on the screen today. You're going to see that all the way through. But also, every week we partner with the Bible app, and you can follow along with us on that. So I want to show you how you can do that today if you don't already do that. You go ahead and you download the Bible app from your favorite app store, whatever that might be. Once you open that up, you're going to click on the More tab. And now once you click on the More tab, you're going to click on Events. Now make sure your location services are on. When you do that, you're going to see the Vine TV Worship Experience. You're going to see today, Big Game Sunday 2020. And in there, you're going to see all the scripture we're going to walk through, a place for you to take notes, but also a place that you can connect with us throughout the week if there's any way that we can serve you. So if you got your Bible today, we're going to go ahead and start by answering this question when it comes to desire. What does Satan desire? What does Satan desire? 
Because the thing is, we got to know what he desires to know what play he's going to be calling and know how he is after our desire. And we have to see what's happening with what Satan desires in this big game that is called life, that is called eternity. We want to see what Satan desires. So if you got your Bible, we're going to be in Isaiah 14. We're going to start in verse 11. And when we get there, I'm going to tell you to pay attention to the beginning of the five I will statements of Satan. I'll, I'll point it out when we get there. But we're going to start with verse 11. And if you've ever read this in your Bible, this is Isaiah talking talking to the king of Babylon. But realistically, he's not talking to the man, he's talking to the spirit behind the man. And so many times when you're reading your Bible or you're walking there, you may see that this happened in the Old Testament, but Jesus even did it in the New Testament. Remember, Peter said that Jesus is the son of the living God, he is the Messiah, and Jesus said, yes, Peter, you are correct, this did not come to you, it came from above, and upon this rock I will build my church. And then Jesus said, hey, I'm gonna go die on the cross for everyone's sin, and Peter said, no. And the next breath out of Jesus was, get behind me, Satan. He wasn't speaking to Peter. He was talking to the spirit behind Peter. So that's what we're going to see with Isaiah talking to the king of Babylon. So Isaiah 14, verse 11 says this. All your pomp has been brought down to the grave along with the noise of your harps. Now, Keep a mental book note, a mental bookmark. Keep a note in your head. Mark that in your Bible. We're going to go back to harps here in just a little bit. And it says, maggots are spread out beneath you and worms cover you. What a jersey Satan's team has on. He's got a worms and maggots jersey. It's covered literally in death. Isn't that crazy? That's terrible. Don't want to be on that team. Verse 12 says, how you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth. You who once laid low the nations. Now, here we go. Here here are the five I will statements of Satan. And make sure you see what he says after this as we learn about his desire. Verse 13. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. Number two. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. Number three. I will sit enthroned on the Mount of Assembly on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. To the Jewish people, Mount Zaphon is true north. It is the highest point. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. Number five, I will make myself like the most high. Five I will statements of Satan. If nothing else, this isn't going to be his greatest desire, but if nothing else, Satan wants to exalt himself, okay? He wants to be above everyone. We can see in every one of those I will statements, he wants to be over everyone. He wants to be over everything, but believe it or not, it's not his greatest desire. Verse 15 is when God answers. He says, but you were brought down to the realm of the dead in the depths of the pit. Now, before we go on, we'll be in Ezekiel next. What I want us to see here is in these I will statements, we may think we don't identify with Satan and be above everyone else, but I want to share with you the best example I've ever had shared with me about how we have a desire that is lined with Satan here and it being all about us. So here we go. This afternoon, you're going to take a picture at a Super Bowl party. Who's the first person you see in the picture? Yourself, probably, right? I know I do. And if I'm blinking or I don't look good, who cares what everybody else is doing? If my eyeshadow's messed tough crowd. If my eyeshadow's messed up or I'm not looking quite right, I don't care what everybody else looks like. That is me having a desire like Satan, trying to be above everyone else and say, no one else matters but me in the photo. So I want to look good in the photo. And so for each and every one of us, we have this desire like Satan already to try to exalt ourselves above everyone. Now we know that's in juxtaposition to what Jesus did. He spent his whole life pointing to the Father, said, I'm here to do my Father's will. And then when he died and ascended, when he rose again and ascended into heaven after 40 days he said i'm going to leave you my spirit so now all of us who are in christ jesus have the spirit in us that points to jesus and then after jesus rose from the dead it said the father will lift the son complete contrast to satan but that's not even what we're walking through today so satan's desire is to exalt himself now that's not his number one desire if you've got your bible let's flip to ezekiel 28 we're going to be starting in verse 11 there now if you don't know where ezekiel is keep flipping right isaiah jeremiah ezekiel or lamentations ezekiel lamentations small book there so you can flip by that if you've gone to daniel you're just a little bit too far so keep flipping right to this place called ezekiel ezekiel is a great book in the bible i'm telling you it's an awesome book spend some time hanging out in there now just like isaiah was bringing a message to the king of babylon Ezekiel's bringing this message to the king of Tyre. 
Okay? Now, in the king of Tyrus, once again, he's going to bring a message to the man, but he's talking to the spirit behind the man. We're going to see that here in just a minute, which is what I love about the Old Testament where that happens. And it says this, starting once again in verse 11, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, take up a lament concerning the king of Tyre and say to him, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Now, this is describing Satan. You'll see how we know that here in just a moment. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. So he definitely looked at that photograph and found himself first, right? Perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Now, this is how we know what's to Satan. There are only four people in the garden of Eden. God, Adam, Eve, and Satan. That's it. The, kingdom of Tyre, the king of Tyre couldn't have went there because God set up an angel, remember, when he expelled Adam and Eve out of the garden when they sinned. So the king of Tyre could not have been there. So we know that this is about Satan. Every precious stone adorned you. Carnelian, crystallite, and emerald, topaz, onyx, and jasper, lapis lazuli, turquoise, and beryl. Your settings and mountings. Mark that, circle that, just like harps. We're going to come back to that in a minute. Take that, have a mental note, have a mental bookmark there. We're going to go back to that were made of gold on the day you were created, they were prepared. It goes on to say this in verse 14, you were anointed as a guardian cherub or an archangel, for so I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stone. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. If you really want to know what Satan, or, and you sin, excuse me, so I drove you out of disgrace from the mount of God and expelled you, the guardian cherub, the archangel, from among the fiery stones. Excuse me, I left that last part out. If you really want to know what Satan's desire is, 100% is this. Satan desires to be worshipped. That's it. He desires to be worshipped. Period. Now, I told you to pay attention to something. What's really crazy, I told you Mark in Isaiah 14, this harps or stringed instruments. Now, mountings and settings. Now, we're reading out of the NIV here, but if you were to go, a lot of times I'll, I, will, I will learn and study through the NKJV or through the KJV, if that's you, or some folks in the ESV, whatever that looks like. If you were to look in a different uh, translation, settings literally says timbrels. And you say timbrels, well, what in the world is timbrels? Well, timbrels is literally tambourines, okay? So tambourines. So Satan had harps that he played. He had tambourines built within him. And also he had mountings, which are pipes, if you look in another uh, translation. So where we see mountings and settings, other translations show timbrels and pipes. Now pipes literally stood for wood instruments or, or for wind instruments. I think of woodwinds every time I think of winds, but wind instruments. So like a flute, uh, something like that. So now I just gave you some instruments. So this is how we know Satan desires to be worshiped. So you have strings, percussion, and wind instruments. If you were to get an ensemble together, there aren't many other things you would need to have a symphony, to have an orchestra, to have an ensemble, to have worship, to have these things together. Now, most of these instruments fall within those classes, don't they? Either wood makes sound, strings make sound, or beating them very hardly makes sound. <laughs> beating them makes sounds, hitting them, striking them makes sounds. So Satan was actually born with these things inside of him because Satan was the worship leader in heaven. Now the entire Vine worship team's looking at me saying, where are you going here? And that's okay. <laughs> it's all right. So let me tell you, I told you to mark that out and see that Satan has instruments that he was born with. But if you, I'm going to give you a little bit of theology for a minute and a little bit of, we're going to go to seminary for a minute. In the Bible, there are three guardian angels. There are three archangels that we see throughout the Bible, okay? Number one is Gabriel. When we see Gabriel, every time he is delivering the word of God. Remember, Gabriel came to Mary and said, you're going to have Jesus. He is that angel. Every time he brought the word of God, anytime you see angel, if you go out in the parking lot today and you see Gabriel, he's going to bring you the word of God. He's going to bring you, this is what the word of God says. The second one is Michael. Now, Michael is the answer to prayers in the Bible. Every time someone prayed and their prayer was answered and God heard their prayer, Michael is the archangel that showed up and said, God's going to answer your prayer for a son, even though you're barren. That's exactly who would show up was Michael. And the third archangel was Lucifer, or the guy we know as Satan, and he was the worship leader in heaven. Now, these archangels led a third of heaven, all of them. Each of them got a third, three, third, three thirds make a whole, 
There we go. We got it out, right? Three-thirds make a whole. And so what ended up happening is in heaven, we can see this is talking about what Jesus was talking about in the New Testament when he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning and be thrown out of heaven. This is what is talking about in Ezekiel 28, 16, when it says, through your widespread trade, you sinned. And this is how we know this. So you got the word, you got prayer, and you got Worship music, worship songs. By the way, doesn't that sound like a church service? As a matter of time, if you have a quiet time, that's what it's going to look like. Most of the time, if you want to encounter God in a new way, you're going to have some kind of worship involved, whatever that looks like. Sometimes it's silent. Sometimes it's, it's hearing the birds outside. Sometimes it's having worship music on. You're going to have worship. You're going to pray. You're going to have the word of God spoken. You see, it's crazy. What we're carrying on now is the same thing that's happening in heaven. If you ever want to see a glimpse of heaven, step into a worship experience, and you're going to see that that's how you encounter God. So what ended up happening, back to verse 16, is this trade we know as merchandising, but not in the traditional sense for us. So in Hebrew, merchandising uh, is a bad thing, okay? So what, for instance, what would happen is, say you wanted a custom jersey, happens you want your name on the back because yeah you went to training camp and you're training with that team my, my name's not on the back of this it's a sean springs jersey you probably think i'm wearing 24 for kobe it's not it's actually for sean springs he played for he played for seattle way back in the day when i was there but short story long a lot of folks like to put their name on the back of the jersey right so say that costs you 150 bucks this is how we're going to explain trade you come to the store and you come to pick up your jersey, custom made. It's great. You're ready to go. You're excited. You give me 150 bucks. And then you see me only put $100 in the till. And I slide the other 50 in my pocket. Would you say something's wrong there? Would you think something's wrong there? There's something sinful there, right? Like, because I'm not allowing that $150 to go to the rightful owner. I'm employed by someone. I work for someone. That I'm just a vessel for which the money passes through. And I know a lot of times we don't like thinking about that when we work, but really we are. If we work for someone, we're just a vessel to pass the money to its rightful owner. So God's talking about Satan and worship, and what ended up happening is one day Satan was leading all of the angels in worship. And what happened is one day Satan was standing up there, and instead of the worship flowing through him and all the music flowing through him going to its rightful owner, creator God, he said, I'm going to keep me a little bit of that. I'll have some of that. Because he did that, he sinned. And God said because he can't be in the sight of sin, he had to expel him out of heaven, and he threw him down out of heaven. Now, that's what Jesus is talking about when, lightning, when Satan was thrown out of heaven like lightning. Satan, in this moment, we show that he desires to be worshipped because that's the one thing he coveted more than anything. He really didn't care about being exalted before God and above God. He thought if he was worshipped, then he would be. We're going to see how this plays out in the end. We can see all the way through how Satan desires to be worshipped because we can look and see what he did with Jesus in Matthew 4, verse 9, when, when he was, Jesus had just went for fasting for 40 days. Sweet Lord, 40 days he fasted. And Satan goes to tempt him after he fasts. And he says this to Jesus. He brings him up to this mountaintop and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world. And he says, all this in Matthew 4, 9, I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. Now, you say, well, didn't you say that Satan doesn't want to be exalted? Yeah, but he believes that he's exalted only through you worshiping him. Because see, here's the thing, here's the thing. He's telling Jesus if you bow down because he's saying if your worship is expressed by bowing down to me, then I'll give it all to you. Satan desires to be worshiped. What I'm trying to tell you is his desire is he'll do everything he can to you to make you worship everything than the thing that you were created realistically to worship, to express your worship. And here's what I'm getting at. I want to tread lightly here because I'm going to make sure I pack this the right way. All of us worship differently, but worship expressed is how we show we love something. And we're going to see in a minute and in a little bit when we talk about God's desire you might be surprised what his real desire is, but for Satan, his only desire is to be worshipped. And because of that, he's going to lead you and even the third of the angels, everyone to death and destruction because his only desire is that you worship him. You bow down and worship him. And your worship is expressed one way or another. Let's say it this way. So you have a significant other. you got a spouse. What if you told him every day, I love you, but you never talk to him? Outside of that, you never 
You never hugged them. You never held their hand. You never consoled them. You never spent any time with them. You just said, hey, I love you. Just walked on out the door. How would that relationship go? It would go pretty bad because you literally aren't expressing your love to them. Well, we've got to look at worship that way. How we express our worship is how we express our love for something. I'm wearing a Seattle Seahawks jersey today. I'm expressing my love for them. I'm not worshiping them because uh, they're not even in it. But like all of us express our love one way, shape, or form. Worship is a form of that. And Satan wants your love and how you worship and what you worship. You see, what's crazy today that blows my mind for all of us is 100 million sets of eyes are going to be there. And men, I'm going to speak specifically to you because I can talk from experience as a man here to, man here to say this. And it's in a pot shot. So if you get convicted, that's on that you, we can work that out. Let's talk to Jesus about it. But today, we're going to celebrate someone carrying pig guts across a poison line that will never know us, wouldn't know if we died tomorrow, wouldn't know us and pick us out of a lineup and couldn't care about us. Nonetheless, we're going to celebrate that. But yet, when it comes time to worshiping God or comes time to being in the house of God, we don't want to have anything to do with it. Because men don't show emotion. So men can't, therefore can't show worship. And I want to tell you as a man, the best thing that we can do for our children and for the generations behind us is live a life of worship. We live a life of worship this way, not just in song, but in how we dive into the word and live the word and how we pray. Just like that worship service. We have to have prayer. We have to have the word of God. And we have to have worship of some sort. And I'm telling you, if we show our young men and women that, it's crazy how they'll trust Jesus. It's crazy how they'll follow God. It's crazy how they'll step into being all that they were created to be. And when they do that, everyone around them will do that. But instead today, it's not a convicting thing. If you can get excited about those pig guts crossing that poison line or excited about that entertainer that wouldn't know you from anybody else in the world think about how you express your love to God and how you worship because Satan will do everything he can to make you worship everything else from that he'll make you worship your career he'll make you worship he'll make you worship that football team he'll make you worship the followers you have he'll make you worship that job you have he'll make you worship uh, just a good intention thing but it's not what God has for you he'll do everything he can to stop you from worshiping God and this is why we can see in Revelation 13, 4, why. In the end, it says this as we're getting there. Verse 4, people worship the dragon. Now, we know that the dragon is Satan. In Revelation 12, it describes the dragon as Satan because he had given authority to the beast. And they also worship the beast and ask, who is like the beast? Who can wage war against it? Now, see, what kills me with this is there are so many people that are in this hopelessness today. We just sang a song about Jesus being our defender. We just had worship talking, talking about, about how Jesus' love is so great that there's nothing that could ever stand against it. But in the end, right before Satan's final fall, the world will finally worship him fully. And in that, he will lead the world to his destruction. As a matter of fact, at that moment in time, this is where Gabriel will show up. If you ever read Revelation, ever dive into it, it can be confusing. I know there are some cool things in it. In Revelation 17, that's when Jesus kind of leans in and he looks at Gabriel and he's like, did I just hear something? I know I'm getting old, Gabe. I'm like thousands of years old. I know I'm getting old, Gabe. They're friends. He calls them Gabe. So like, I know I'm getting old, Gabe. What, what did I just hear? Gabe's got that smirk on his face and he goes up to Jesus and he's like, they just said nobody can beat the beast. They just said there's nobody that can defeat him. And they're worshiping him. That's why in Revelation 19, Jesus looks at Gabe and says, go get my sword. And that's when John talks about the heavens were opened and he saw a rider on a white horse whose name is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords on his thighs and his robe is dipped in blood and he will rule with an iron scepter and he will utterly destroy the beast and everything that follows it. See, Satan desires your worship more than anything, more than anything, your worship. And he'll do everything he can to stop you from having a relationship with God. So now here's the question that we have to answer. We've asked, what does Satan desire? So the other team is God's team. Now Satan remembers clothed, clothed his jersey as maggots and death. Now he does have some harps and some cool things behind it. He's got a little pet band behind it. So that's a good thing because that's what he's created. But his whole team wears death. 
what does God desire is the next question we're going to be answering. And here's something I'm going to do that's a little different today that's not normal, okay? I'm going to walk through all these verses, and I just want you to listen. Don't try to keep up with me. Don't try to win sword drill and float through all of them. They're scriptural references. Go back and listen to them. If one of them pops out to you, write it down and go back and listen to it. But I believe that we can find what God desires in his word because he promises that his word will not return void. So we might as well read his word to see what he really does desire. And I'm going to go ahead and put my cards on the table. He doesn't desire your worship. He can live without your worship. And that surprises many people, but we're going to see in his word what his true desire is. So here we go. I'm going to grab a little, little, little water because I'm getting ready to go into the game here. So I think it's 18 verses we have here, give or take, that we're going to walk through and see what God's desire. So here we go. Exodus 6, 7 says this, I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I'm the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Leviticus 26, 12 says, I will walk among you and be your God and you will be my people. Jeremiah 7, 23 says, but I gave them this command, obey me and I will be your God and you will be my people. Walk, into, walk in obedience to all I command you that it may go well with you. Jeremiah 11, 4, the terms I commanded your ancestors when I brought them out of Egypt, out of the iron smelting furnace, I said, obey me and do everything I command you and you will be my people and I will be your God. Jeremiah 24, seven says this, I will give them a heart to know me that I am the Lord. They will be my people and I will be their God for they will return to me with all of their heart. Jeremiah 30, 22. So you will be my people and I will be your God. Jeremiah 31, 33. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel. After that time declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and I will write on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Ezekiel eleven twenty. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people and I will be their God. Ezekiel 14, 11. Then the people of Israel will no longer stray from me, nor will they defy themselves anymore with their sins. They will be my people and I will be their God declares the sovereign Lord. Ezekiel 36, 28. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. Ezekiel 37, 23. Then they will no longer defile themselves with their idols and vile images or any of their offenses for I will save them from all their sinful backsliding and I will cleanse them. They will be my people and I will be their God. Ezekiel 37, 27. My dwelling place will be with them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Hosea 2, 23 is to you and I the Gentiles who aren't Jewish by birth. He says this, God says this, I will plant her for myself in the land. I will show my love to the one I called not my loved one. And I will say to those called not my people, you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. Zechariah 8, 8 says, I will bring them back to live in Jerusalem. They will be my people and I will be faithful and righteous to them as their God. Zechariah 13, 9, this third, I will put into the fire. I will refine them like silver and test them like gold. They will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say, these are my people. And they will say, the Lord is our God. Second Corinthians six sixteen. What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. Hebrews 8, 10. This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Revelation 21, 1 through 3 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. If you didn't catch it, God's desire is you. Period. Period. His desire is you. His desire is you and I. It's not our worship. It's not our adoration. Those are ways that we express our love to him. His desire is to be our God. It is you. His desire is you. His desire is me. His whole desire is that. Satan desires us to worship him to lead to our destruction. God desires us to lead us to life, to have a relationship with us. That's the difference that's at work here. And so many times we can get that messed up. You see, we get it messed up because back in the garden, you see, we think that only Christians are drones. Like, you know, he, he gave us a will 
Back when God created Adam and Eve, remember, they went and they sinned in the garden because, once again, we have a will. We're not like Daleks. We're not like drones running around, like, I love you, Lord. Like, we're not doing that. Like, we have a free will. We have a free will. We get to choose. God's trying to show us in everything he does. This entire book is a love story to his son about his bride that will be brought to him at the very end. In church, we are his bride. We get to show the world that his desire is us, us, excuse me, and worship is the pathway that we get to do that. But the thing is, we could be a Christian and never worship God. You know, I know that. There are people who are Christians on their deathbed and they never got to live their life of worship. And that last moment they did, but they're going to spend eternity worshiping him. Friends, we have to know that God's desire is me and you. And so for all of us, we can look all the way back, all the way from the beginning, and we can see, remember, what happened. And I just want to paint this picture for you before we move on. What happened, remember, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was void and formless, and his spirit hovered over the land. And what happened, and the reason that happened is, when Satan was thrown out of heaven, there were five days that God cleaned up the chaos from Satan and third of the angels fallen. And he's forming the earth. We'll talk more about this Thursday night if you ever want to hang out with us. We'll find a way to get it to you if you can. But we get made and created kind of confused from time to time. But there's only one thing in this world that God said he would make. Everything else he created from nothing. And the thing that he made is found in Genesis 1.26. And he said, let us make man in our image. He talks to himself and he creates man. And you see, Adam was in that garden and he created man. And remember, he was working. This could be a whole relationship series itself. He was naming all the animals, naming all the plants, but something was missing. Like, he was like, how many more deer do I have to have? Tyrannosaurus rex, rhinoceros, antelope. I'll call that one Mary Jane. I don't know. Whatever it is, like he's got all of these things that he's naming and something's still missing. He desires something else. There's something missing. Adam had everything he needed in the garden. So what do you give someone who has everything already? A companion. And how did God know that Adam needed a companion? Because he's made in his image. You see, we get, to, we get to have that. We get to be the companion. God's desire is us. Because see, what happened is outside of that, the companion that was created, remember, God took it out of Adam. So Adam's going through all this time like, God's never going to answer my prayer. This is so lonely. I don't know what's going on. And he went to sleep. And then he woke up one day and said, whoa, man. And like, that's how the woman got her name. So like, he looked there and said, look, somebody who talks like me, who walks like me, somebody who understands me. And what happens if you ever look in the Hebrew, the Hebrew word for man literally means squeeze. That's about right, like that toothpaste, just squeeze. That's, that's probably about right. But the Hebrew word for woman means fashioned. Doesn't that make sense? Like squeezed versus fashioned. Like man was squeezed out of God, but woman was fashioned out of man. That's pretty cool, isn't it? I knew what they were talking about back then. So what ended up happening so many times is because of that, what we look at is he needed a companion. And see, God did that for us because, see, he had a son who decided to live the perfect life we couldn't live, die the death we deserve on the cross and loved us enough not to stay dead, but rose again on the third day so that we could have life because we sinned in the garden. But you see, it says that we are the bride of Christ, aren't we? We, the church, are Christ's companion. We are the bride of Christ. We have to see that God is a giver by nature. I will tell you the reason that we don't talk about a number here at the vine, we don't talk about a percentage when it comes to the tithe is because God's a giver by nature. You can't give God something to not receive it back. And let me say it this way. God can't receive your worship without giving back more to you than he received. He's a giver by nature. That's who he is. We talked about it Thursday about Jesus feeding the 5,000, five loaves and two fish. God received in those things and he fed thousands. That's why God says all the way through, if you will just trust him with it, with faith, you will see him move like never before. So each and every one of us have to see with our worship in our experience of worship, if we will reach out and touch God, he won't leave us hanging. If we will reach out to touch God like that woman who reached out that was bleeding for years said, if I just touch the cloak of Jesus' robe, I'll be healed. If I just reach out to him like the man who had the crippled hand and he just reached that right hand out to him and was healed, the man with leprosy said, will you heal me, Jesus? And he reached out and touched him and the leprosy was gone. If you just reach out and worship, he won't leave you hanging. Because his desire is you. 
I love how Paul wrote it in Ephesians. Ephesians 2, verse 1 through 9, as something that we all know, and it speaks to all of us that are in Christ Jesus. And it says this, As for you, you were dead in your transgression. You were wearing Satan's team jersey, the maggots and the crazy things like that. It sounded good, and it had some instruments inside of it, but it only led to death, right? And your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us who lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts, Like the rest, we were by nature deserving wrath. But because of God's great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgression, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incompatible riches expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one could boast. See, each and every one of us have to see how God loves us and desires us. The bride of Christ in Revelation is described as the bride of Christ adorned with precious stones. Now, you remember in Ezekiel what it says Satan was covered with? He had instruments, but he was covered with all of these precious stones. And why was he covered in precious stones? Even more showing how he was supposed to be a vessel to which the worship was supposed to go to the creator God. The most precious stone reflects light the best. And those of us who were in Christ Jesus, we are adorned as the bride of Christ and precious stones to reflect light the best. Otherwise, we're absorbing it for ourselves. And that'll only lead to death. And that's following Satan's desire. But those of us who are no longer in Satan's desire now are in God's team and are following his desire. And we know that God's desire for us is better than our desire for us because Satan found out what happened when he followed his desire for us because he was thrown down and he led to death because he thought sin was better than life. And so for each and every one of us, we're gonna have participation here close to the end. I imagine as, as God's sitting there, what's crazy is, you know, he's taking the order back into chaos after those five days and he makes man in his own image. So we know that on the sixth day, God made man. And through this chaos, I, I look at Satan. Remember, he wants to be worshiped. And through the worship, then he becomes exalted, not exalted, then worshiped, okay? So hear me out. So I bet Satan was down here on the earth that was void and formless. He was in all this chaos and he looks up at God and he's like, who's gonna lead worship now? Who's going to sound like me? You created me to sound beautifully. I have stringed instruments. I have, I have a tambourine inside of me. Like, I'm, I'm tambourine man. Like, I got it all together. Like, I have woodwind instruments inside of me. Who in the world will you create to replace me? I'm irreplaceable. Can't you see that, God? And I just think of God looking right down there, and he reaches and picks up this dirt, and he blows in it. And all of a sudden, man is there. And he looks at Satan and he says, watch what I'll do because one day this dirt will crush your head even though you try to strike its heel. And I want to tell you today that you were created for worship, but God desires you. You know how you're made for worship? Each and every one of us have strings inside of our throat. We call them cords, don't we? They're vocal cords. How do they make sound? Air passes over them, right? So you got... You got something inside of you. You got a harp inside of you that is your vocal cord, and you got a woodwind instrument just in your voice. The other thing you have, you say, what about percussion? Follow me. You can do that, right? You can clap. Now, don't get me wrong. I didn't say you got rhythm. Don't be trying to dance at your big game gathering thinking you can dance. I, I didn't say you got rhythm. I said you can clap. God created you with instruments inside of you for worship. So much so that he desired you, that he redeemed us because of what happened was Satan. You see, Satan saw that. Satan knew that. That's why he went to Adam and Eve and said, surely God didn't say he would kill you, did he? I was the worship leader once. I'm going to tell you right now, if he didn't kill me, he's not going to kill you. And in that deception, in that deception, it led us all to be born into sin to be born on Satan's team, to be born in Satan's desire to be worshiped. You know how, I said a photograph, you know how we're desired to be worshiped? A baby cries to let you know how everything's going, right? It's all about you. It's all about your attention, right? It's all about giving them attention. 
It's all about them. The world revolves around them. And for us that live in that our entire lives, I'm telling you, it will only lead to death. But God in his great mercy made a way through Christ that we can have life. We no longer have to follow our own ways. We can trust that his desire is best for us because I'm telling you, your whole life will be a cycle of worship, a cycle of addiction, a cycle of fruitless life where nothing seems to pan out. Nothing is gonna be there. This is perfect end of where we had chasing carrots last week, like, like the hamster on a wheel. You'll just keep cycling through and you can't understand why it can't work out. I just wanna ask you, have you ever trusted God's desire for you is better than your desire for you? Because if you have, I'm telling you, you have experienced life. If you want to see a relationship that's that way, so many times, one of the things we would say to our spouses or our kids are, you know how much I love you, I would die for you. We say that all the time, don't we? Yeah, the thing is, some of us right now, whether you're listening online or watching right now, Jesus is standing there saying to each and every one of us, you know how much I love you? I did die for you. It's not I would, I did. Why? Because I desire you. Whether you worship me or not has nothing to do with it. I desire you. I want to have a relationship with you. I want you to have life. I don't want you to be clothed in death and maggots anymore. I don't care how great Satan makes it sound with all of his instruments built inside of him. I'm telling you, it leads to death because in Christ, we know how the book ends, right? He destroys the enemy. And Jesus loves us enough that he made a way right now. So as we get to this, I just want to ask you, you're on one of two teams today. You're either on God's team or you're on Satan's team. There is no in-between. There is no question mark. You're either all in on one or all in on the other. The thing that God gives us is free will. And right now, many of us are listening or watching and there's something inside of us. Maybe our heart is beating. Maybe there's something inside of us. We have sweaty palms. There's something in us that says, I, I've been in Satan's team. I've been trying to follow my own desire my whole life and I need a change. There's something different that's gotta happen. Every year I celebrate the Super Bowl and I buy a lottery ticket and I think it's gonna be a big deal every year. And every year I seem to come up empty. I seem to come up losing. And I just wanna ask you, would you just trust Christ? Jesus said it this way in Revelations 3, verse 20 and 21. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and they with me. See, somebody's going to have victory today in the big game. My question is, is your eternity going to be victorious? Because you can only find victory in one. Verse 21 shows it. To the one who is victorious... I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Do you want to experience victory or do you want to experience death? I want to tell you, we accept God's grace by faith, by responding to Jesus knocking on the door. We pray as a family out loud here and I want to help you. We're about to say a prayer. It's not the words of this prayer that saves you. It's the faith that Jesus is who he says he is. So with every head bow and every eye closed, I'm gonna ask everyone to please repeat this after me. Dear Jesus, I believe I'm a sinner separated from you. I believe you came, lived the life I couldn't live, died the death I deserved for my sin on the cross. But love me enough not to stay dead, but rose again, on the third day, so that I may have life. Come take over my life, Lord. Teach me to follow you step by step the rest of my life, the best way I know how. And with every head bow and every eye closed, if today you can say for the first time that you have received the free gift of salvation and you are now following God's desire for you instead of your own desire, which is Satan's desire for you. I'm gonna ask you to respond on the count of three. One, two, three. Would you raise your hand? If you're watching online, you're gonna see a hand that's raised. If you're in the house, would you raise your hand? If you're listening throughout the week via podcast or, or watching online throughout the week, please reach out to us at prayer at thevine.tv or 864-580-6698. And here's why I'm asking you to do that. Please respond. We have people who want to celebrate the victory that you are walking in. It's more important than this game today. It's more important than the commercials today. It's something that has eternal impact. And
Christian, the only way that you can walk in victory is through Jesus. And for everyone else, you can lift your head up. We're about to worship and we're gonna sing a song about the victory that's found only in Jesus. We're gonna talk about seeing a victory. Maybe right now you were in Christ Jesus and you've forgotten what the victorious life feels like. And Revelation 33, 21 reminded you that in Christ we are victorious. It's not our circumstances. It's not the storm we're in, the season we're in. When we feel like we're at our lowest point, that Christ alone is victorious. And he will not let us go through the fire alone. He loves us enough that he died for us and he's with us step by step through it. And if we will just trust him and reach out and touch him in this moment, as we sing this song, if we will reach out, we will leave here better than how we walked in. So I'm going to ask in this moment as we sing this song, it's got some rhythm, whether you've got rhythm or not. It's got some move to it. Would you just reach out to God and see what he'll do? So if you will, please stand as we get ready to worship. Turn it for good. Come on. 
As we come to a close today, for real, I, I, I hope we all know, don't mean we don't have to have fun at the game today. <laughs> it don't mean that we can't celebrate, but I'm telling you, if we can't celebrate the victory in Jesus, my goodness, what are we doing? So today, as we get ready to lock it up and pray as a family like we always do, go ahead and get your arm around somebody, love on them real strong. Let's go out today and celebrate the victory of Jesus. We're going to celebrate those teams. That's all right. But more importantly, let's thank Jesus for all he's done for us. So with every head bowed, let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for this day again. Thank you that we get to celebrate the victory that's only found in you. Satan tried to twist it upside down in the Garden of Eden. And from the garden, we've been searching for a hole in our life that only you can fill. So Jesus, thank you for coming to not only fill that hole, but give us life and show us that we can have victory now. We don't have to wait until eternity to experience it. We can have it now. So today as we go out, Jesus, I pray that we celebrate. Let's enjoy this life you've given us but Jesus more importantly let's celebrate how much you love us because we are your desire so Jesus I pray we would live here better than how we walked in I pray that we would go out today and that we would be those precious stones that reflect your light I pray that the instruments you've given us whether we sound like dogs barking in worship whether we sound awful and we don't have rhythm Lord it has nothing to do with that it has everything to be in full surrender to you that matters so I pray that today we would live in full surrender we said it earlier, but Lord, I'm going to go ahead and bless it today. I am going to pray for zero calories because we love you. Please bless that food today that we are going to partake and bring us back here safely next week. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Be sure to join us next week as we kick off relationship goals as Alex Hanvey will bring the preach. You don't want to miss it. Have an awesome week and always remember the best is still yet to come. <laughs>